I kind of had this idea that it would be like, you know, it's a three month internship. In my mind, three months is nothing. Go to Cleveland for three months, I'll be out, it'll be easy. But I was pretty nostalgic when I was leaving. Um, it was kind of tough for me to leave the city because I'd invested so much into what I was doing at work. You know, I was staying late. I was coming in early every day because I loved what I was doing at my job. I was, I think that was good. That, that means that, you know, I was present. I wasn't just, you know, staying there on vacation. I see so many people, especially, you know, high school graduates who go off to a different city for college and physically they're in a new city, but mentally they're still living in their hometown. You know, they go back home every weekend to hang out with friends from high school. You can't be effective in your new season if you're still trying to live in the past. Welcome to the final episode of Beyond the Surface Season 2. I'm your host, Ezra Gill, and I'll be joined by my longtime best friend, Mike Stinchcombe. At the time we recorded this, Michael had just returned from his internship out of state. We'll be discussing what it was like living away from his friends and family, and the ways we can sustain ourselves in a new area. What an honor it is to be here today to finish out season two. I have a very high regard for the podcast. Keep it up. I love what you guys are doing. You got a lot of wisdom. Bro, that means so much coming from you. And um, yeah, we're so honored to have you here today. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit and tell us, you know, who are you? You know, what do you do? What do you study? Where do you go to school? What are some stuff you like to do for fun? Yes, all the cliche things. This is good. This is all the surface level stuff. Um, This is like, imagine we're like in like a small group, you know, like a crew Bible study. It's like, who are you? Tell us a little bit. Yeah, you know, like your first day, like syllabus day in college. And they're like, let's go around the room and and say one interesting fact. Yeah, one interesting fact. I love that because it's so like surface level, but it's good because people probably don't know who I am who are listening to this, which is good. I am a fourth year mechanical engineering student, senior mechanical engineering student at Michigan Tech. What do I like to do? Anything active outside, I'm game for. Uh, usually, like, I spend the most amount of my, my free time running. Um, so I do a lot of, like, trail running. Um, I do a good amount of mountain biking, trail biking. I've gotten more into that last year. I've also gotten into rock climbing. I've done that a lot. And one thing that's interesting is I've been trying to do more free diving seeing how deep I can go and how long I can hold my breath. I don't know. It's weird, but I, I like enjoy that type of stuff. Wait, so you start from like a cliff and you just... No, no, no. Like, uh, like you start on the surface of the water and then you just... So you're, you're going beyond the surface. You are actually going beyond the surface. How fitting is that? You and I have been friends for so long now. What are some of your favorite memories about us? Well, for one, my favorite thing about our friendship is how authentic it is. I think that that's something that's rare. Uh, to have nowadays a friend who will literally say how it is to your face you know (laughs) like I I just think that's very unique but I also like how both of us we kind of play off each other well when we hang out because we both literally like do not care what other people think and so I could think of like so many times where we've done like the stupidest things but we're just having fun like we don't care my all-time favorite memory of us just hanging out would be the backpacking trip that we did. Was that our senior year summer? That was the summer After, we had just graduated. We had just Okay, right. So yeah, we went with my brother. Because the biggest thing that I remember from that trip was the night that we had the smallest storm ever right over our side. And I remember this because the next day we went hiking and we found other people on the island. We were like, yo, did you guys catch a rain last night? And they were like, no, we, we, didn't, we didn't see any of it. But we were like dumb enough to just bring hammocks and that's it i brought a one person tent (laughs) my brother and i were both in hammocks it was coming down for for a while there and we were just getting soaked it was 
Why don't you tell us a little bit about the internship that you just returned from? Tell us what the experience was like and uh, what kind of work were you doing? What were some new things that you learned about your field? So like I said, I'm a mechanical engineering student. So this was a mechanical engineering internship, Cleveland, Ohio, east side of Cleveland. The focus was on steam sterilizers for medical devices. I was working on steam distribution systems um, for these big units that we have. We're kind of developing the next generation. So it was a lot of like product development work. Mechanical engineering is pretty broad engineering discipline. So there's a lot of different things that you can do with it. It was interesting though, because I'd accepted the internship before COVID hit. And so my expectations took a while for the company to get back with me on whether or not we would still have the internship. And so I was just grateful to to have one. You know, I know so many of my friends who had uh, internships canceled. And so I was super grateful just to have an internship. Obviously, a lot of things changed. Um, normally, when you're working at a larger corporation, or you're looking for a lot of networking opportunities as an intern, which was hard to get when everything was remote. I was fortunate enough to be actually in the office every day. I tried to reach out to as many as I could that I was interested in their job description, whatever they were doing. Um, I just want to learn more about the job, like networking stuff, as much as I could to have kind of like one-on-one Microsoft Teams meetings. I don't know, dude. I think it's so weird, like Microsoft Teams, because it's like you're FaceTiming somebody, but FaceTime is in and of itself. It's weird because it's like you're on the phone so you're like awkwardly trying to figure out who's going to talk next, but you're also like can see the person, but then somehow you're always still watching yourself talk. It's so weird. Like, I don't know, some of it was awkward, but I try to make the most of it. Tell us a little bit about the place that you were living at. What was the city like? Definitely different. It was a bit of a culture shock to me because I spend most of my time in the UP uh, where I go to school, which is far outside of civilization as you can get for the most part. Now I'm like living in a big city, so the adjustment was a little bit weird. But at the same time, it was kind of a ghost town. Like nobody was out, at least in downtown Cleveland. Like my my apartment complex that I was at was a little, it was a bit run down, which was kind of a new experience for me. I I think I got secondhand smoke a few times with the windows open, you know, and people are just (laughs) smoking everything. (laughs) I don't know. It was a it was a good experience. I learned a lot. I was super close to Lake Erie, which was awesome. It was like a, just a 10 minute walk down the street for me. You know, you're living in a new city in the middle of a pandemic. There's you're not going to find like some online guide of how to live in a new city in the middle of a pandemic. So we're going to trust on you to give us that guide. You know, you had to sustain your faith. You had to continue to grow in your knowledge of the Lord without church meeting in person. How did you sustain yourself spiritually? without an in-person church that we're all so used to. Honestly, I would want to preface this by saying I don't I don't think what I was doing was sustainable long term. What I was doing was I you know I would watch church online on Sundays, but so much of church is personal relationship, the personal connections that you make. You and I, we both grew up at VFC, which is larger church in Southwest Michigan. You can get kind of lost in the shuffle there. Yeah, um, church is like an integral part of our friendship. We never yeah. became friends without the church. Right. You know, that's like, you can go to a larger church like that and it's still, even if it is in person, I don't think you could go to like VFC every week without talking to anybody and have it be sustainable you need to have a real relationship with another Christian, somebody who you you can share everything with. And so that was a bit of a challenge for me in Cleveland. My siblings were a huge, huge support. I FaceTime them every week just to let them know how I'm doing. I know I talked to you a few times on the phone. I talked to people from school. That kind of brings us into our uh, our next point, how you sustained yourself emotionally. So you're living in a city without your friends from college, without your family from your hometown, 
What emotionally filled you up? How did you get away with that? Was it FaceTime? Was it running? How did you fill yourself up emotionally and not be just this stoic robot every day? I think that I'm just naturally, I'm I'm an introverted person. And so a lot of the times that's kind of what fills me up is going out in nature and going for a run, going for a bike ride. Emotionally, that's really what fills me up. So running definitely helps with that. Uh, I was able to do that pretty much every day. The human interaction, like I said, I don't think it was uh, sustainable to do that for any length of time eventually i would have need to get into a smaller group of at least other believers in the city i can't help but to talk about your relationship with your siblings you know i've known your family for a long time and your relationship with your siblings has always been a priority in your life you and your brother and you and your sister and your brother-in-law you know you all are going in different directions but you continue to keep in touch with each other and to put each other first uh, above your friends above every anyone else you Certain people, when they think of their siblings and the relationship with their siblings, that they kind of grieve a little bit. It's, it's a point of friction. They didn't grow up in a household where their siblings got along with each other. There's a lot of grudges and a lot of offense that continues to be held with each other for decades. Siblings are God-given. It's not something that you get to choose in life. Friends, you get to choose. You can choose your friends. You got to make the most of what you have. My siblings were fortunate enough to all have good relationships with the Lord, uh, which obviously helps with our relationships with each other. We definitely try to make it a point, even though we are all in, in different cities, to stay in touch. The other week, my brother had been in like kind of a, a minor car accident. You probably haven't heard. Wait, about I didn't even hear about this. Yeah. He waited like a day or two to say something to to me and Val. I don't want to say that she freaked out, but she was like, she probably would have liked to know sooner. I'll just leave it at that. So we're yeah, we're not perfect at it. Staying in touch about everything. I think the important thing is just to have the groundwork there to know that you have those people in your life that you can always go to. Like I'll ha- I'll always have my siblings in my life, and I can always. I'll lean on them and I know that no matter what I'm facing, no matter where I'm at in the world, I'll always have those two in my life. You can't choose your siblings. They're just given to you. Mm -hmm. So you might as well pour into that relationship and invest into it. Otherwise, if you don't, you have a negative relationship. Unfortunately, most people here do. You know, that's just a weight that they're just going to be carrying for the rest of their lives and you can't get rid of it, you know, so you might as well invest into it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, physically, you kind of talked a little bit about some of the things that you were doing. You were running. You like climbing now. What are some ways? What are some disciplines that you put in? How long have you been running? Why is it important that that believers invest into their bodies? What's so important about our bodies? So I've been running for going on nine years, a ton of miles. As far as in Cleveland goes, I about 40 miles a week all summer. A lot of my workouts focus around the marathon distance. It's something I've been training for for a while. I actually was planning on doing the Kalamazoo Marathon, which obviously got canceled this year. And so a lot of what I do kind of focuses on that as far as like how I want to structure my body. And then also a lot of it kind of depends on how I'm feeling, what kind of injuries I have. I had surgery about two years ago. I still deal with every day, my good days and my bad days. It's not like how it used to be. I did a good amount of hiking, climbing. So as far as why it's important for believers, I actually, so I know it says, and you know, all throughout the Bible that, you know, our bodies are not our own. And so it's, it's up to us to steward them. When you're a born again believer, the only thing that is holding you back in life is yourself. No other human has anything against you. They, they can't hold you back. The only thing that can hold you back is yourself. And one of the biggest things that I see in the church now is people who don't invest into the natural. They're, they focus so much on the supernatural, which yes, is 
you know, you need to obviously focus on your spiritual side, but you also need to invest on your natural side. Obviously, there's study after study that says people who exercise more have more energy. They've got better attitude. They're more productive. When you're choosing not to exercise as a believer, you're limiting yourself. You're limiting how effective you can be for the kingdom of God. Even with myself, when I'm out on an injury or if I'm taking you know a week or two off, I don't do as well just in, in life. I don't feel like I'm as productive. I, I don't feel like I have as much energy. You know, I get tired more often. I've always been interested in, well, ever since high school, and I started getting more serious with running. What do I put in my body that's going to make me a, a better, not just an athlete, but a better person, you know, somebody with more energy. And that's that's different for every every person. So you see a lot of people, you know, just bandwagging onto like keto diets and stuff. Just because it works for somebody doesn't mean it's going to work for you. The human body is enigma, you know, like it, it's hard to tell what is the right diet for yourself. Just kind of something you have to experiment with, but obviously, you know, you can have a gut feeling of what's good food and what's, but there's also a balance to be had. Like you can't live your whole life eating kale, then you might be miserable. <laughs> you got to mix in some chocolate. What would you say to somebody who is saying, you know, let we don't need to focus on our bodies because we don't have to worry so much about our image. You know, God created us to be beautiful. <laughs> you know, it's all about the spiritual. It's all about emotional. You know, our bodies are mortal. You know, we're going to die one day, so there's no point in investing into our body. What, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? I would say that God is not just a God of the spiritual. He is a God of the natural. And so there is a weight to be had there that people just don't, they don't recognize that, man, God cares about the body that he has given to you. Yes, you know, we are all the body that we have is is not our own. It's it's his. We're, we're, exactly. we're living on a borrowed body. It's like we have a rental car. We need to take good care of it. Right. Right. You know, if you have uh, this, you know, I always get reminded of the parable of the tenants just by the definition of average. Not everybody's going to be having above average body. Obviously, you have, you know, you're super athletes and uh, you're just regular Joes. God has blessed me with a body that's athletic. And so it's it's my responsibility to multiply that gift that God has given me. He's already given you the gift. You know, you don't have to wait for his permission to start working on it. You know, you got to go after it and get it yourself. Our bodies are our legal permission to be here on earth. Like, this is kind of obvious, but if you don't have a body, you can't be here on earth. So it's important that we take care of our bodies because the longer we live, the more we can share the gospel, the more we can be the light, we can be the church that God has made us to be during our time here on earth. So we absolutely do have to take care of these bodies that God has given us. Yeah. And I like what you said, you know, everybody stewarding the body that God has given you. Maybe, you know, your your body doesn't have a great metabolism, maybe, you know, naturally overweight, or maybe you, you have some sort of a condition that you're not just going to be, you know, athletic, or you're not going to be running stuff. Are you stewarding your body the best possible way that you can? Another person, you know, who has a high metabolism, but and, and they have the ability to be athletic, but they're just not doing anything with their body. That person who's trying to be athletic, but just doesn't have the genetics would kill to switch a body with you, you know? Mm -hmm. So just take care of the body that God's given you. Right. And that's, you know, God sees both uh, the same way. If Whether you whether you're gifted with, you know, a five talent body and you multiply it to 10, God is just as proud of you as you as you would be if you were a three talent body, you multiplied it to six. Just looking back on it, you know, you just came back from your internship. <laughs> you know, let's say there's somebody who's just about to do exactly what you're doing. They're about to go live in a different city without any of their family or friends in the middle of COVID, you know, no in-person church. You know, what would you say to them? What would you do to encourage them? What were some things that you wish you had done while you were there? That's a good question. The biggest thing I would say is you have to buy into the city and you have to buy into uh, what you're doing. 
I, I think about that verse that Jesus says, you know, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. You can't be invested into the city that you are coming from when God has placed you in a new city. You have to be where wow. you are. That's where you are. Yeah, that's the biggest piece of advice. And I think for me, like the expectation was I kind of had this idea that it would be like, you know, it's a three month internship. In my mind, three months is nothing. So I, I was like, oh, you know, I'll go to Cleveland for three months. I'll be out. It'll be easy. But I was pretty nostalgic when I was leaving. Um, it was kind of tough for me to leave the city because I'd invested so much into what I was doing at work. You know, I was staying late. I was coming in early every day because I loved what I was doing at my job. I was, you know, learning more about the city, uh, being invested in churches and stuff. And so it was definitely tough to leave. I think that was good. That, that means that, you know, I was present there, not just physically, but also mentally and spiritually. I was in the new city. I wasn't just, I wasn't just, you know, staying there on vacation. You know, that was a season of my life. It wasn't just I see so many people, especially, you know, high school graduates who go off to a different city for college and physically they're in a new city, but mentally they're still living in their hometown. You know, they go back home every weekend to hang out with friends from high school. You can't be effective in your new season if you're still trying to live in the past. Thank you for joining us for the final episode of Beyond the Surface Season 2. Ryan and I are going to take another break before returning for the next episode. So take this time to catch up on all the other episodes from seasons one and two. If this was encouraging to you, we'd love it if you shared with a friend or on your socials. We'll see you guys later for the next season.